stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take anything that is astrological or any topic that is related to the, the subjects of relationship or romance. I investigate it under the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Love or Relationship Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I'm so glad that you guys have joined me for today. Now, I know that I missed you uh, when I normally drop my podcasts or my episodes, and that's usually on a Sunday. This last Sunday, however, I was not feeling so well, so I'm very sorry that I did miss you. Um, however, I'm feeling a little bit better, a little bit brighter in spirits, and also far more ready to tackle um, the deep dive into the anxious avoidant personality for this week. I think you guys will love the personality. Or I think you'll love the, the chart that I have in store for today. So uh, to recap the anxious avoidant. So uh, when it comes down to this particular attachment style, basically, as the name recommends, it's uh, kind of an in-between. And I think that, as I've stated before, many people actually fall into this category when it comes to the attachment styles which is that they are, you know, they're not either anxious nor avoidant, but they're actually a little bit of both. You know, um, in some cases, they may be more anxious where they they want that noble goal. They want to have a partner to share their life with. They want to um, maybe have a child together or have some very nice noble goals, just like with somebody who is anxious. Also, um, they might have those nice noble goals for somebody who is avoidant, which is wanting autonomy, wanting independence, not wanting to be too smothering with their significant other, but also, you know, being able to give some distance without giving chilliness away. Um, very much as, as Marianne had mentioned to Eleanor in Sense and Sensibility, it's like, you know, you, you reprieve him too much that he doesn't think that you have affection for him. Um, I think with um, the, you know, the avoidance side, it's really um, kind of expressing your affection to the point to where you're not overly indulging, but yet you're not overly pushing it or kind of putting somebody in reproach, so to speak. So individuals tend to seesaw a little bit between these two uh, particular attachment styles. The biggest drawbacks are an individual with anxious avoidant as this personnel, as the, the combination between the two is that at some moments they can become really clingy and they can be, they can text or call incessantly their significant other. And at other times that when they start to recognize or when their significant other is pointing out that they're being really clingy, then they're on the opposite end where they're actually far more avoidant. You know, when the significant other would like to have attention or would like to have some sort of recognition from this particular individual, they're more inclined to actually saying that that person's being too needy and therefore shoving them away. Now, as much as this sounds kind of very contradictory and it sounds like it's very hot and cold, for individuals who have this particular type, it really isn't too hot and cold. It might be far more natural in their personality, but having very distinct markers of both um, both insecure attachment styles. I do have to say, though, when it comes to anxious um, and, you know, the anxious avoidant, you know, again, there are um, two strengths that can be utilized um, for the anxious end, obviously spending more time with you, engaging in um, personal goals and hobbies helps um, those who experience the anxious end of this type um, to become more secure. And then with the avoidant end, becoming more open towards people. Now, again, this seems very contradictory for this type, but I think combining these two virtues um, to where it's like they kind of have some alone time, they might have some time to engage in their hobbies, their activities, but also having some time where they literally do have to confront their significant other and actually speak their mind and really kind of engage with them, you know, kind of really engage and try to open up to that person um, or to 
distinct things that would be very helpful to, um, in helping these individuals gain security. Now, that's just my thoughts um, coming in from the get-go before um, coming into the chart. But um, as always with these deep dives, I'd love to know, I'd love to like take a look and see what other answers the chart of this individual person can also give. Now, um, I had mentioned last week, Stargazers, or actually the week before I um, had um, actually mentioned the uh, um, avoidance type, that I thought this person actually fit avoidant until I compared notes with um, someone. That someone happened, I'm going to be honest, that someone happened to be my mom. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd grown up with uh, this person's music for the majority of my life that I kind of felt that this other individual would um, have a good perspective on this um, when it came to avoidant. And when I asked her, it's like, do you think that this person could be an avoidant type? She'd said, well, yes, but he's also very, um, you know, he shares a little too much information, uh, particularly within interviews, which I thought was kind of interesting. And, you know, looking back, it was like, yeah, I, probably it, it, he is accused of doing so. And that's more to me of like an anxious trait, you know, oversharing in order to appeal and to impress other people. But for that matter, this particular person is no other than Sting. Sting, the rock star, otherwise known as Gordon Sumner. Um, if you guys do not know of him, I would say first and foremost, definitely check out his band, The Police, that he was in. It wasn't just his band. Um, he was actually one of three different musicians. There was obviously Sting was the bassist as well as lead vocalist. There was Stuart Copeland, who was the drummer. And then there was also Andy Sumner or Summers, who was the guitarist of the band. And actually, they had really a great sound. It's unfortunate that they didn't get along as a band. Um, it's an, it's usually a very typical situation that seems to happen with bands, but it's very unfortunate because all three individuals, I feel, had a very distinct and very unique take on music and a really great sound to them. Um, apparently, they fought like cats and dogs, like no other. Um, but yeah, there is the police, and then there's also Sting in his own... Uh, independent solo albums. I highly recommend in his solo gig, Nothing But The Sun. Definitely, um, definitely listen to. That's a, a must-have. There's also seven, seven Sumner's Tales. Try saying that 10 times fast. That is another great one. And then, of course, I did like Brand New Day when it came out. Uh, even though we're starting to see Sting. Um, I know many people had a little bit of controversies, some that he was being very imperialistic, maybe even colonialist, others where he was just going towards solid, hardcore capitalism. I personally kind of became disappointed because I was starting to see a bit of um, the ego coming out. And he was not the first. A lot of people in 2000 um, really started to have like this omnipotent attitude and this omnipotent point of view when really they're mere mortals, just as we are. And a lot of artists, especially, I felt like had that viewpoint where it's like, I'm omnipotent. I can do whatever I want. I can make whatever sound that I want. And sometimes the sound that they made was complete crap. Or um, sometimes what they did was just not the best of decisions. So um, 2000 was definitely a very interesting year. A lot came out of the woodwork. But I think Brand New Day, I, I like it. I still enjoy the songs from it. It's just um, I know there's a difference of opinion when it comes to staying on that one. But above all, um, definitely, definitely a couple of good faves that I do recommend. Oh, and another good fave that I recommend, Dream of the Blue Turtles. I grew up with that album when I was like six years old and listened to that album cover to cover like no other. It was, and there's times where I still, it brings back, you know, like I said, if I still hear Set Them Free or um, 
oh goodness, set the Russians free, or I think it's set the Russians free or let the Russians free. Like I said, I haven't listened to this album for quite a while, but when I do hear some of the songs from Dream of the Blue Turtles, it brings back so many good memories. But Stargazers, even though I am a fan of Sting, um, I do feel that blind uh, having a bit of a blind is important. I don't know everything about Sting. I, you know, what I do hear is from hearsay, um, from, you know, basically secondhand source. I haven't personally experienced a lot of what has been said. So um, this is a great opportunity where I can just kind of take the chart and read it blind. But one, um, before I get into this, why I thought Sting was kind of perfect for the anxious avoidant is that in the police, especially, and I do see this within his solo work, you know, Sting is known for being very artsy fartsy, getting a very unique sound, saying really controversial stuff or having controversial lyrics um, in his music to kind of, you know, zing or kind of make that song pop and so on and so forth. Some of which I, I also don't always agree with. However, um, you know, in his artsy fartsy way, um, I noted that, um, with, I believe it was Stuart Copeland, the drummer of the police had said that, um, there were a couple of times where Sting, especially when he started to get like this, um, sound like he wanted to sound like a Jamaican, um, it kind of annoyed him to no end. And, uh, I kind of felt like, in some ways with Sting, as much as he was trying to be like John Lennon and trying to trailblaze and trying to get more of like a unique sound for the police, there are other ways where I felt like the artsy-fartsy was the avoidant side pushing his bandmates away. And um, on that note with Stuart Copeland, Stuart Copeland did have a point. Um, I listened to, like, say, So Lonely. Um, to this day, and it does not age very well. You know, Lily White guy, sound like a Jamaican, sorry, does not age well. Um, you know, and I kind of see where he was coming from, even though this is back in the 80s when he mentioned, like, God, Sting is just annoying me like no other. Um, you know, there, there was also a point, it's like you probably should stick to another style as a musician. I mean, I, I kind of, while I understand Sting was kind of expanding boundaries, I really think he could have done a different take, so to speak, because uh, now it's like he's just trying to sound like a colonialist is how it how it really comes across, which kind of it kind of makes him sound like a moron, unfortunately, um, if you want my honest to goodness opinion. But since this is not a roast, I, I just, you know, it was just a little bit of a side note there and it's not a roast. We're going to move on to also how he could be an anxious type as well, too. I feel like the anxiousness really comes out more than anything with, as my uh, mother had shared, oversharing in interviews. You know, such examples being, you know, having an eight-hour tantric session with his with his wife, which, you know, good for you. That's really awesome. But the whole world doesn't always need to know about everything. Um, there have been a couple of times, I think with my mom, she had, um, seen interviews where he had mentioned that, I guess he has done yoga to enhance his performance again, really great, but a little TMI. Um, I kind of find that anxious people do share a little too much, you know, in the regard that they accidentally think that they're sharing something that can attract somebody. But in essence, it's it's a little too much oversharing. Sometimes I feel that oversharing, the biggest drawback to that is that it really also minimizes boundaries that you can put up for yourself. And I, I feel everybody needs boundaries in their life uh, where people can tread as opposed to where people should not. And I just feel like when you overshare, you're lifting up the bound. It's almost like with anxious people, they're so, they can be, very desperate for that attention, for that love that they, they kind of, you know, uh, ground from the ground up, they kind of tear up those boundaries. So that can be a little bit detrimental. And I can see that situation with Sting. But turning to the chart, um, one thing that was of note to Sting was that um, his sun and moon are both in the sign of, so he's a double Libra, meaning that sun and moon are both in the same sign. Uh, now, if we are to consider that attachment styles are mainly 
you know, in the chart, we can mainly see the attachment styles and how they develop by the, the moon's position, as well as Juno and Ceres' position. One thing that we can ascertain when it comes to the moon being in Libra is that Sting's, uh, you know, attachment style, he felt most comfortable when everything in childhood actually remained fair. And what I mean by that is when it came to growing up with both of his parents, when it came to growing up with his brothers and sisters, making sure that there weren't people who were getting far more favoritism than others. Uh, with Sting, I mean, if it, if it was a situation where his father might have favored his older brother because he was stronger, um, that's where with Sting, you know, whereas with um, many typical double Librans, where the, a, a typical double Libran might come up to that person and rationally say, you know, that's really not very fair. And you really should start considering everybody in the family. And they might say it like very cool, very rationally with Sting because he also has Neptune very close to his moon, exacerbating and heightening some of the sensitivity. He definitely took it very hard. Um, if there was favoritism acted upon and, um, it took it, it, it kind of wounded him deeply. He could feel the wound deep in his bones and it was not only enough to incense him, but also maybe enough to upset him. Um, actually at astrologyking.com also mentions with this placement, maybe enough to make this person pr prone to crying or having an angry outburst. Um, one of the, I would say like one of the two. But I'd say definitely for Sting, the biggest thing was making sure everything was fair. And I think um, as a young child, even, despite the um, Neptune conjunction with his moon, I think he really acted as a diplomat in his family and made sure that not only did he get credit, you know, fair credit, as well as his brothers and his sisters and the rest of his family, but also that if he was getting fair credit, everybody else was in on it as well, too. Uh, the other thing that stood out for me with a moon in Libra, and again, I kind of feel like this was, um, I, I, I felt a little like this is a similar experience, and I kind of felt like I'm speaking of personal experience here because my moon is also in the same sign, and I kind of felt like some of these things also have reverberated with me when it comes to attachment style. But uh, with Sting, I think the other biggest thing was, you know, not, you know, making sure that everybody refrained from saying things like, I want you to do this because I said, you know, which many parents typically say when they're kind of frustrated with their child, they want their child to just stay in line. And they just say, do this thing because I said, you know, um, for those who have a moon in Libra, they like to have well thought out, you know, because they're an air sign. I like to have very well thought out as well as very logical conclusions as to why certain rules have to apply. And in childhood, this was no different. You know, if, if his mom or dad came up to him and said, Gordon, I want you to do this because I said, you know, his reaction would be like, but because I said is not a valid opinion. You're not giving any rational reason. You're not, you're not uh, promoting how this could be, you know, maintain the peace in the household. You're not, you know, stating that it's, uh, you know, that what I'm doing is causing chaos. In fact, I don't see what I'm doing as causing chaos. So, I mean, he would have like a lot of different logical argumentation and also an urge for, hey, back this up logically um, as a young child and also as a young adult as well, too. Now, um, with Libra, when they are in, they're not getting what they're, they need or what's being met um, in their moon sign, the defense mechanism that they tend to place up is that of just kind of taking their frustrations out on an indirect source instead of the actual direct source in and of itself. They might have expressed how something may not have been fair, or they might have expressed how something may not have been just you know, or made in a logical decision. And, um, you know, at times when we grow up, we just come to a complete disagreement with our parents, whether or not we 
we are right, whether or not we're wrong. doesn't matter who is right, who is wrong. The disagreement always tends to happen. So with Sting, whenever he felt just really that sense of just no one's understanding him, it's very frustrating. The defense mechanism that he kind of came up to was that either he would take it out with music or maybe take it out with his brothers or maybe take it out with his family as well. Um, usually the Libran way of taking things out or lashing out is usually little passive aggressive jabs here and there, maybe little, um, you know, passive aggressive sort of, you know, remarks here and there as well. Nothing out of the extreme, nothing like actually violent, like, you know, he goes off and beats up his brothers. No, it just might be, you know, like his brother may say something and he might say under his breath, well, that's what makes you an oath or, or an oath, or that's what makes you an idiot and, or to his parents. Well, that's why you, you, you know, you didn't do this, this, this and that, or that's why. And I also um, kind of feel that some of the rage, if he was also in the rock music scene at a young age, which is usually the case in England. He might have also taken a lot of different agita out into his music. And that what, you know, again, could have lent to therapy, but also could have been a way to passively, aggressively, you know, kind of hold everybody um, who was a problem at arm's length until the issue seemed to be resolved at home. As mentioned earlier with Sting, um, he also has uh, Neptune conjunct his moon. With this moon and Neptune conjunction, this usually indicates an individual. So first thing that I saw personally, Stargazers, and I'm usually the type of um, astrology nerd where I feel like I have to always look up Neptune's placement in the chart because, again, um, what I may view it Neptune's kind of shifty. Neptune's kind of dicey. So um, what I may view might be like scratching the surface as opposed to what an another astrologer may view. So I did actually look this particular transit up with astrologyking.com, um, a noted source for me. Um, and, you know, just to kind of get a little bit more of an insight. But the first thing that I saw was that um, definitely this was an individual who had a very fantastical childhood. Now, what I mean by fantastical is, you know, yeah, it could have been fantastic, sure. But uh, with fantastical, I'm, I'm seeing more like um, his, his relationship with his mom was very um, fantasy-based, and in fact, actually, Stargazers, when I looked at this even further, um, I would not be surprised if Steven Spielberg actually has a similar um, sort of placement in his needle chart when it comes to his moon. The reason why I say this is that especially with the Fablemans, his mom is very has been noted to be very not only supportive of young Steven Spielberg when it came to his early work within filmmaking, but also um, that she encouraged him, that she actually brought his imagination to life with her eccentric personality. And I think we, we see that with Michelle Williams' uh, very, very wonderful performance. You know, I think it is Oscar nominated, if, I, if I'm hearing correctly. But, uh, you know, definitely with her awesome performance, we do actually get to see that as well. But um, I would not be surprised if Sting, Sting had a very, um, very similar situation or similar background with his mom, where she actually almost imparted like a fairy tale sort of quality to his life. Um, a great example that I know of is that I do know that Sting's father was a fisherman. So possibly when his, his father was gone, you know, of course, yo, young Gordon Sumner, young Sting would ask, you know, his mom, hey, um, where'd dad go? And that's where um, she would probably would come up with um, sort of fantasy uh, no, um, oriented notions such as like, Oh, your father had to go battle a pirate king to bring the best of the best, the fish back home for all of us to eat, all of us in not only here, but everybody in all of England to eat. 
Or she might have also um, said something like, well, he went off to a magical, mystical fairy land to catch the best, the best of the fish and, and bring that all back home, all to, you know, the people of London so that they can feel better and be much better people as well as bring that back home to us so that we can cook it and, and have a really, really better, a, a better time, better life. And for this with Sting, um, you know, it, it was probably very great for him because again, it, it really incited a very imaginative sort of background when it came to his family and, you know, also in explanation of what was going on, especially with fishermen, they tend to work very contractually. It is, you know, make sure you go out there, make sure you're bringing back the wares uh, for the employer who hired you. That's how you get paid. And sometimes with fishermen, um, it's a long haul, you know, kind of like with those who are seamen, it's a long haul uh, where, you know, go out to sea and you don't come back until you actually catch what is expected of you. So with that, I think his mom um, really did a lot to costing to look at the imagination a little bit more in order to escape some of the unpleasantries, especially with his dad's parting, like his comings and his goings at times as well. Also, another um, very fantastical planet is also associated with his moon, and that's of Jupiter. It's actually opposite his moon. Um, so that to me usually uh, indicates that, you know, usually with astro astrology king, that usually indi indicates that this is someone that has like foot on the accelerator, doesn't know how to take it off. Um, sometimes very clingy for affection and emotion, other times not so much. So this is where I see both um, the anxiousness as well as the avoidance in Sting's personality kind of forming in young adulthood or actually even in young childhood, where at times he might have wanted his mom's vast amounts of wealth of, you know, of attention. And then there are other times where it felt like, you know, especially like with the fantasy, it might have just been too much and he kind of pushed her away um, simultaneously. Now, again, it may have felt more natural for him, but um, it still was in act as well. I feel like the Neptune placement also caused a little bit more of the anxiousness as well, too, because... Not only whenever he, whenever there was a lack of fairness or lack of ethics, or if there was, you know, not enough of the fairy tale or enough of the imagination occurring for him, that's where he kind of would feel physically and viscerally upset or kind of get really upset over that. And that would um, be very deeply, um, deeply disturbing for him as well too. Also any sort of meanness in the family, um, anything mentioned out of sarcasm, anything that's just mentioned normally would have been absorbed 10 times more by him just in the regard that this is a placement that also indicates a little extra sensitivity on the part of the individual. So like say his dad actually did come home um, which is kind of interesting with the family dynamic because uh, with staying, his son is also conjunct Saturn. So it kind of told me the way that he felt with his dad was that he was a very stern man, upholded rules, um, made sure that rules were upholded very well. Um, maybe could have been a very restrictive man as well, too. But one way in which I could see it is like, you know, he'd probably come bounding up to his dad after he comes home. and Oh, how was the, the realm of the, the, the fairies or how was the pirate king? Only to have his, his father maybe shake his head and, and say something like, get some sense into you. You know, that there's there's no such thing. Get some sense into you. God, fill your fill your head with, you know, fairy logic. My goodness. Or fill your head with fairy tales. That's not good for you. Um, that could have been of a high disagreement for him. And in return, he could have felt that rebuff really deeply inside of his bones. And that really could have affected him um, growing up as well, too. Um, however, this position, according to At Astrology King, so the Neptune conjunct the moon also indicates a highly, um, very compassionate person as well, too. And that was probably expressed very much so. Um, Sting was probably a very, as a young kid, 
was probably a very um, compassionate and, you know, again, as I've, as I, as I've mentioned, a, a diplomat, maybe the compassionate diplomat in the family and tried to keep his family together as much as possible and as happy as possible as he possibly could. Now growing up, when it comes to expectations, so with that moon in Libra, um, Sting definitely um, probably expected somebody who was very pretty, knowing the Libra aesthetic. You know, with Libra, there's always a sense of the aesthetic involved. Um, somebody who is very good looking as well, you know, very good looking. But along with good looking, um, he probably did value um, somebody who also had brains in there and had some substance. Somebody who is a deeper thinker than most people. And I think, or you're really like much of a deeper thinker than most people. I think he was very attracted to that as well. And um, I think also somebody who, again, um, you know, upholded, you know, a sense of fairness that there wasn't two people. So since Sting is hetero, is a heterosexual man he probably valued women that did not have like, say two lovers. Like he was, he was one lover and she had another lover on the side. Um, that for a Libra moon is extremely unfair, um, extremely unjust. That's that causes injustice that causes chaos and disrepair before one can even blink. So um, he always wanted to be front center and stay. Rightfully so. And also, you know, make sure that he was the only person in that individual's life, that he was like the only, the only one and only. Uh, with the Neptune placement right next to his moon, that also indicated that there were times where, you know, not only was he very compassionate towards his lovers and very giving towards his lovers, so hence giving that the anxiousness in the relationship. But there were times where, you know, perhaps if somebody said something very callously, again, he would feel it very deeply, you know, very sensitive. But also say like if somebody, and I see this reflected a lot in Sting's music, like say that somebody was not very receptive to him right away. And I felt like maybe this person might have been rebuffing him when really in actuality, um, I've been here before with boyfriends where it's like they feel like I'm rebuffing them when really I'm just looking away for a minute. Or they feel like I'm rebuffing them when really I just need a little bit of space away from the relationship. It's getting a little too clingy too fast. Um, I feel like this same sort of dynamic was continuing on. You know, this sort of pattern of dynamic was really within his relationships um, early on where you know, somebody might have said, hey, Sting, I might need some space. And he he might have like blown it way out of proportion. Um, you know, I kind of wondered like with Seven Days, with the song Seven Days, if it kind of came from that sort of notion or even um, there was one song where it's like, and you'll be sorry when I'm dead, when all this guilt will be on your head. Um, you know, I can't live with, I think it's a song, a police song. I can't live without you. Um, a lot of that, I think kind of arose from a lot of women just saying, you know, I need a little bit of space. You're getting a little too, you're, you're too much too soon. Or, you know, gee, I, I'm kind of, I I just need like the night off, you know, again, he might've blown, you know, kind of taken that in a little too sensitively and blown that out of proportion. Also with Jupiter, um, Jupiter in this case with being um, an opposition to both his moon and uh, Neptune is not really helping out because either Jupiter can magnify the emotional, the emotionality, if that is even a word, and also the sensitivity of this individual and really kind of like widen the cavern. So there would be times where he would be really super clingy to this individual only to kind of cause her to push away maybe or get a little frightened. Um, what was kind of interesting with Astrology King is that it can also cause a form of avoidance too. 
uh, with Jupiter. Um, I think it could just be because with Jupiter, it is represented by Sagittarius and both are all about like becoming your own individual, learning, you know, to think for yourself, learning your own thing. So I think by the same token too, like say if somebody did display affection towards him, he also had that where, you know, that sort of sensibility, especially with the police where he'd push away as well too. Um, now I know it sounds very dramatic. Um, you know, it sounds like a, you know, like kind of like what, um, Enneagram specialists would call for Enneagram type four, a push pull sort of relationship. But, I, you know, I think that's like the best way to describe it. It's probably very natural and it was pro- probably came very naturally to him and it probably doesn't sound as dramatic as, you know, probably is far more organic than it sounds. But I think that there was a sense of a push-pull relationship often. And I feel like this was very apparent with the police, especially. Um, this was before he began to learn Ashtanga yoga, um, also known as power yoga back in the day. Way back in the day, way back in the 90s, it's known as power yoga. Um, but which is a very um, athletic form of yoga as well. But uh, before he learned the um, discipline and how to manage his energy, uh, both sexual as well as just general energy, I felt like there was a lot of a push-pull situation going on in his life. And perhaps that maybe he went through numerous lovers um, in this regard. Um, I, I just feel like a lot of this push-pull relationship is also definitely reflected in a lot of his songs. I mean... You know, the avoidance side, don't stand so close to me, um, is like the anthem for avoidance everywhere. And then, of course, like I said, on the opposite side, I can't, you know, I can't live without you. Even to this day, he still writes songs that have lyrics like, you're mine, or I want to make you mine, or you belong to me, um, which are also very anxious as well, too. And I feel like this is reflected within this particular um, situation alone, really. Um, and before I move on to the sinistry side with Trudy Styler, you know, when he met Trudy Styler and also with his relationship with Trudy Styler, you know, um, his, with, when it came to his dad, I mean, his mom, I think tried to really encourage the imagination his dad, um, you know, especially with his moon or not his moon's position, but his son's position, being directly opposite um, uh, Jupiter's position, I can't help but see this as being related to travel because, again, Jupiter is in its natural element in the ninth house instincts chart. So um, having things being related to travel or having this planet being related to travel, having his dad's absence really affect him big time in childhood and perhaps also affecting his attachment style. I would say um, definitely affecting the anxious attack, anxiousness in there and making sure that somebody just, just doesn't, you know, up and leave as his father had to being a fisherman um, and also making sure that people don't just disappear on him because he said something, you know, he feels like he said something wrong or he did something wrong or he didn't do something, he didn't do something, you know, he didn't do enough. Kind of um, also reminiscent with the, the she don't like um, song from Seven Sumner's Tales. Um, you know, like she just doesn't like the way I, you know, I dress, she doesn't like the way I cook, she doesn't like my tie, she doesn't like anything. I kind of feel like that might have been rooted with his dad kind of going off and his fears of gee, could my significant other just up and disappear suddenly out of nowhere because of me, you know? And again, not that it was because of him, um, you know, his parents probably did everything that they could do for young Gordon Sumner. Um, however, with Sting, um, this is how he, you know, due to the, this uh, chart, it was how he felt. It was reflective of how he felt um, when it came to being raised by both parents and how that affected relationships after as well. Well, um, speaking of relationships as well, um, getting into Juno's placement with Sting, it's actually in Sagittarius. 
So having Juno in Sagittarius usually kind of means that, um, again, as I mentioned earlier with the type of person that he is attracted to, you know, having somebody who thinks very deeply and very philosophically. I think philosophical thinking, actual philosophical probing, as well as tra- actual travel are very important to sting. These are things that are very important in marriage. You know, having somebody who's very worldly, who kind of knows the world or who's traveled the world, or having someone who is also philosophically bent as well is very important to him um, in the long term. And also probably caused him to seek out relationships um, of that mind. You know, not only having a pretty face, but somebody who's also, you know, prone to reading like Kant or um, prone to reading Benjamin or prone to reading Plato or other philosophies and really making sure that philo- that philosophical pool and also the thought pool is expanded and extended with him. That's a, a very important feature when it comes to attachment, um, when it comes to sting. But um, again, also speaking of relationships, there is his relationship with Trudy Styler, his current wife. Um, so Stargazers, as much as the relationship looks a little centric on the surface, I feel like there are things that actually have worked out for the two individuals involved in the relationship. I think one thing I do have to note is that especially with Trudy Styler, because um, her Mercury placements are very strong, are a very strong position. And also with Sting, you know, the, the fact that he has a sun and moon in a very cerebral sign and also in a very, um, you know, a sign that really emphasizes, communi- you know, I think with the air signs especially, communication. I know with um, Gemini, communication is very important, but I think with air signs, communication in general and having open discussions, open forums are very important as well. So I feel that communication is really big and also um, coming to the table with some understanding. So with Trudy Styler, she has a, a, her son is actually in Capricorn. So already that's where we can see a little bit of the eccentricity where it's like, ooh, Capricorn meets Libra, you know, Earth meets air. This could go, this, this is, this is a little weird. You know, many uh, traditional astrologers, especially those who just judge by sun signs would say, uh, this is a weird relationship. But upon a little bit of a further glance, we also see that Trudy Styler also has her moon in Aquarius. What this means that is that growing up, she actually valued independence, being able to think autonomously, independently. Um, she beat to the beat of her own drum most of the time and also um, very forward thinking as well, too. So the way that I see this, you know, their moon signs are very much trying to each other. So I feel like this relationship happened with a mutual understanding, you know, while the sun signs, the outer uh, you know, fa- facade of each individual may not have understood each other. You know, he may, you know, with Sting, he may have been really attracted to Trudy Styler's quirkiness or may have like come across as a quirkiness, you know, that, that uh, son in Capricorn, you know, what he was truly attracted to was what was deep inside her heart. And um, I think really what was deep inside her heart was really someone who was willing to use logic and, you know, especially with Aquarius using very cold, hard logic to kind of help ease emotional situations. And I think with Sting, whether he would go way too hot or way too cold in relationships, she would kind of come to the form of the foray with, hey, you know what, let's try working with this together, or let's try working with this, this other idea together. You know, there's a lot of working with different ideas and different ways of approaching a relationship um, that she wasn't afraid to point out to him. And I think also vice versa with him that, you know, he wasn't afraid to point out a couple of things that really could have helped the relationship. Um, I feel like this kind of goes into what I've been uh, referencing all along, which is 
yoga um, with Sting. Um, he was known to get into to first get into yoga um, in order to help his stamina and, and also to help when it came to you know really um, being more conservative with his energy on stage, especially on tours with the police, because he was getting really depleted by just you know again with the moon opposite uh, Jupiter. Sorry, got a little tongue tied there. Cat on my tongue. Uh, with the moon opposite Jupiter, it, it there definitely was a foot on the gas, life in the fast lane, but probably again with that life in the fast lane burning out his emotional and his inner reserves rather quickly, depleting them rather quickly. So he started to get into yoga to actually help with that. But once he got into yoga, the one thing that struck me was that he involved Trudy um, into it. He involved Trudy Styler into it. So one thing in which I feel that he involved Trudy Styler was that it was kind of like an agreement um, between their moon signs to just kind of, if there's something that works for one person, make sure to include the other person and make sure that both persons are working whatever it is that might be of, a, of an issue out, you know, especially with being so depleted that maybe he might not have had a lot of energy for Trudy Styler. Again, he could have pulled her in and, you know, they could have fixed this again together. And I just, I feel, um, stargazers, when I'm describing this as well, too, with this um, relationship, I feel like that's actually a very beautiful commingling of relational energies right there. Just a beautiful commingling in their chart of what their chart's revealing. Uh, when it comes down to both Trudy Styler, so what really kind of caught my eye with Trudy Styler and... Um, it seems like I tend to pick different charts that actually have relational correspondences between two different people, but very much like, and it's completely by accident, it's completely random, but very much like Michael Darby in the anxious um, chart with Ashley Darby. Um, actually, True Styler does have the same conjunction. So that is Saturn conjunct, um, Mars outside of Scorpio. One thing that I do see that Trudy Styler did come into the relationship was with a little bit of sex shame or that she might've had sex shame before. Now, while this partnering can also be really great for a career, especially since she was an actor, you know, it's probably great for her career to kind of really ramp her up and really take her career very seriously. The sexual orientation Again, Mars compared with the, the planet of restriction right there. I feel like there was a restrictive urge when it came to sexuality and it did affect her dearly and deeply. Um, however, with Sting, he does have the, uh, his Venus conjunct Mars placement. Mars, while it's in Le like late Leo and then Venus is in Virgo, they're actually five degrees apart from each other. So um, I remembered my astrology teacher when she first introduced uh, Venus conjunct Mars. She said that this was the placement of a sex addict. Now, um, and she's met many sex addicts who have this placement in their chart. So as to what she says, I kind of take that diagnosis or I kind of take that conclusion with a grain of salt. What I did see with Sting was that, and still do see with Sting, is that he's very virile and that he's very, um, very sensual and also can be very sexual. In fact, I actually heard accounts, I believe it was from E, um, way back in the day when they were kind of assessing the most sexiest people, um, they had these programs that, you know, assess the most sexiest people. Sting was amongst them, and they had said that actually with Sting, he did have issues with engaging and indulging in sex too often. That maybe he did have like a mild sex addiction, um, but, uh, you know, I, you know, and like I said, again, not, I, again, I, I take that with a grain of salt because, again, E can be a gossip sort of source, but, you know, that he did regularly engage in sex, sometimes without meaning as well. But I feel um, this link is also a very beautiful um, 
aspect and kind of, you know, really could have helped when it came to um, any sort of attachment styles, attachment issues, you know, really, they kind of came to an understanding with each other when it came to sex and sensuality, you know, that she was very guarded. She had some shame surrounding her that he just kind of had a lot going on um, because of that too. That's also another reason why he took up yoga in order to be a lot more mindful and a little more present when it came to engaging in sex, um, particularly with Trudy Styler. So it wasn't like he was just on top of her all the time. Um, so to speak, I feel like um, they both individuals came to the fore with an understanding and how to also fix the situation and both have been known to do like tantric sex together which um that's one thing i do recommend for somebody who has mars conjunct saturn is that that's a great way to engage in a, a, a an act of sex that's you know kind of safe that's warm that's also constructive um, you know, like you can engage in different fantasies and also address shame that kind of comes up in a very safe and also a very constructive um, environment as well. For Sting, I think it's also constructive because it's a way to become more mindful. Um, actually, there's a, a mindful component to Tantra to where it's like you can become more mindful of the sensations and actually enjoy them far more. Um, not just extending orgasm, which that is very common in Tantra, but really just enjoying the act more, maybe enjoying like the, the feel of the sheets or the feel of your partner in your arms or the feel of just her breathing with you um, could be very sexy and very enjoyable and engaging and something to focus on other than getting hot and heavy all the time as well. So I kind of feel, even though this is in, this is kind of a you know sexual side, I felt this kind of helped with Sting. I you know it sounded like with the sexual, continual sexual addiction, slight sexual addiction, or even just continual needing of sex, there was a little bit of that anxious and avoidant personality in him. The avoidant, obviously, not seeing the other person ever again or pushing the other person away. Um, after the sex act, you know, there was just a means to an end. Um, you know, the sexual part obviously being very, you know, needing of attention right away, needing some instant gratification. Um, I feel that with Trudy Styler's presence, it kind of helped to not only ground him, but also helped him to, um, again, find an outlet where he could, again, as both an anxious avoidant, to really become more present so that he didn't need that instant gratification, but also um, to also become more present to somebody else and their needs as well, too, instead of just becoming in their head all the time. Then the third thing that also just struck me about both of their charts that I feel like could contribute, um, even though it's a hard aspect, you know, Trudy Styler's son, uh, her uh, Venus, as well as Mercury placements, are also um, opposite Sting's um, Uranus placement. And what I usually see with this is there's, you know, maybe the mild annoyance that Sting has some very interesting ideas. I think we kind of all know that. I think we've all heard of it. Things like, gee, I don't bathe because I like the smell of my own skin, you know, can kind of come to mind for me. And sometimes I feel like with Trudy Styler, that kind of gets on her on her nerves a little bit. So more than anything, she tries to ground that relationship a little bit, you know, maybe like pointing out like, hon, probably shouldn't tell people that you stink because they could get the wrong idea. Or you probably shouldn't tell people that you don't bathe. They could probably, they might not want to do business with you because they think you stink. And, uh, or sometimes she might've just overtly have, have, might've said, you know, here, here's for a soap. Um, I know you appreciate your scent. I appreciate it too, but here's bar of soap. Go in the shower for a little bit, please. <laughs> um, you know, either way, I think uh, really his extreme viewpoint or his, his viewpoints sometimes can be a little extreme. And sometimes that's where I feel like with true style, she can kind of ground it a little bit. I feel um, with the extreme, along with the extreme emotional side of 
um, Neptune conjunct his moon, I kind of feel like, again, very grounding influence, kind of helping to, um, you know, that anxious side of wanting to just, you know, rip up boundaries, throw boundaries to the wind, throw a caution to the wind, you know, kind of help him to maintain some boundaries in the relationship, maintain some boundaries in all relationships too, including his profession into his professional life. But also um, maintaining some boundaries, like when he overshares, maintaining some boundaries and helping him with that as well, too, which I feel like anxious, um, the anxious side could really benefit from that as well in the chart. So um, with uh, with the conclusion here um, comes series placement. So for Sting, series is in Pisces. And Ceres, of course, is that internal mother that helps us to, you know, become the mother that we didn't have, um, also to become the nurturer as well as the child simultaneously in our chart. So a sting, I think, with Ceres being in Pisces, what's far more important, what can help um, really blend these anxious avoidant tendencies is by um, not only the extreme compassion of Pisces, um, so kind of similar to Ashley Darby, where you know with her with the compassion of Pisces, she kind of shared that with her sons and found that her sons take first precedence and actually really um, helped her to shape reshape her life. Um, with Sting, it's, you know, again, having, you know, being there for his family, being there for his wife, um, really being present and very sensitive, using, using his sensitivities towards a great means, you know, by, um, you know, kind of focusing on people who matter to him in his life, I think really help to, um, help with that oversensitivity that came about with the Neptune conjunct moon. And also the heavily fantasy-oriented nature of his um, attachment style or when he attaches, you know, instead of just being so overly idealistic, uh, you know, with ladies or with women, you know, using series to kind of, uh, you know, kind of fill that void when it comes to the idealism that he really grew up with, that he really craves, um, and that... Um, he really kind of um, carries with him every day. That's really important to him. What I also find with Ceres is that um, in Pisces is that it also advocates that he do other things, like kind of like more spiritual work, um, so to speak, you know, because Pisceans are very spiritually oriented, doing far more spiritual work, which I feel like, he actually does encompass um, with the yoga, you know, and the mindfulness of yoga, but also extending, lending a hand. I, I think that he has also been um, very charitable and also really philanthropic. I know with other musicians he has been, um, you know, within every record, um, he's always featured a new artist. Uh, when I was listening to Dream of the Blue Turtles, I actually was introduced to Brandon Marsalis, Wynton Marsalis's brother, who is a really awesome saxophonist. And I mean, when I say awesome, I mean, he really brought a lot of great tones, different shades to different songs that were just really spot on. They're really perfect in the moment. But I know that he's done this too with other uh, vocalists. Um, he's you know, had some backup vocals who uh, of people who are very up and coming um, in the music industry. And, you know, he's kind of helping that individual to make his or her mark with him, you know, kind of just, you know, working with him and collaborating with him. He has also um, made duets with other artists as well who are also up and coming. So, I kind of feel like, um, again, the compassion from his moon conjunct Neptune is coming out in this regard, as well as his series placement. I feel like he feels very nourished when he's helping to promote other musicians, helping to promote other, um, you know, great forms of music. Um, I mean, very much, uh, very similar to what David Bowie also had done um, in his years. I think um, Bowie even went so far as to even 
plug or promote other musicians um, in his day as well, too. But um, I think with Sting, I think he feels very nurtured when he nurtures back or when he finds that capacity inside himself to nurture back and um, to really give back in turn as well. And I feel like that could really help him, I think, to nurture um, that Piscean uh, situation to share compassion, to share nurturance, and also to share the spiritual can help fill any sort of voids that his parent that he felt like his parents may have left behind, or that maybe his parents had really tried very hard to impart, but maybe not really kind of get into all the nooks and crannies that he was really craving for within childhood into young adulthood and conversely into adulthood as well. So, and already I see when it comes to Trudy Styler and Sting, as well as Sting as well, I also wanted to feature Sting too, because um, for those who do identify with anxious avoidant, you see an individual who is very self-actualized and who's starting, who had noticed it's like, hey, I have a problem with sex, or gee, I'm having a problem with pushing and pulling people away in relationships. This is not good. I need to fix this. And, you know, even though he had a simple fix with yoga, I mean, again, it kind of gives some hope or kind of like with Ashley Darby with the anxious types, it kind of gives some hope, um, you know, towards others who ha might have this type of, you know, stability does come into play and it can be attained. It's just a matter of um, brainstorming a little bit as to what works and kind of working and being honest with yourself when it comes to particular energies at play. Definitely worked for Sting and it definitely seems to work with Trudy Styler as well, which for me, that's kind of hopeful because she strikes me as being more of a an avoidant just looking at her chart. So we have in this relationship both an anxious avoidant and an avoidant kind of helping each other out as well, too. And I think that's important to have in a relationship. It's not that we're just being Romeo and Juliet and having our hearts bleeding on our sleeves. It's, you know, we have a relationship where two people are very solid and two people are kind of helping to pull each other up. Um, especially when they're down, you know, when the chips are down, but also to help each other when everything's looking great and everything's looking wonderful, which I definitely do see with Sting and Trudy Styler. So cheers to that. So Stargazers, I do hope that this deep dive on anxious avoidant types or the anxious, anxious avoidant type was informative and also very helpful. I also do hope it was vastly entertaining. I know it was entertaining for me and kind of interesting to kind of take a look at Sting's chart. It was just kind of, just kind of neat for me, knowing that I've been a fan of his music since I was a way, way, way young tot, a very, very young, young, young child. But um, above all stargazers, do not be afraid to look up at the stars. We are coming up to a new moon as of the 20th of this month. Um, so definitely check your calendars for that and definitely check, uh, take a look at the stars. They'll be even brighter up in the sky without the luminescence of the moon. And um, I do think that I have been seeing, um, so it's Venus over in the, I'd like to say the southwestern sky to the western sky. She's still visible and she's, she's gorgeous out there as well, too. So definitely take a look at her. I think she's starting to move towards the horizon. So definitely uh, check her out before she's moving behind. So in the Colorado area, if you're looking at the sky, definitely check her out before she moves behind the mountains. Um, for those of you at different areas, um, definitely, you know, check her out before she just dips down below the horizon as well. It's it's really kind of cool. But above all, um, stargazers, too, um, looking up at the stars gives us a nice pause and also gives us the origins to astrology and how it has formed. Above all, stargazers, I do hope that between this week and next week that you all are very well. And until then. If you'd like to contact Sandra Misek for questions and or comments, you can contact her at Misek, that is M-I-S-E-K, dot Sandra at gmail.com. 
also on her Instagram page. You can contact her at Sandra.Misek. Again, that is M-I-S-E-K. Also for as little as $2 a month. Yes, actually, I went into my Patreon page and tweaked it a little bit. For as little as $2 a month, you can become a member of this podcast. Definitely check out those details. That is on patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology.